All right, folks, Scott Caldwell with you back once again this week, continuing our multi-week conversation with Howard Halderman. And Howard, so glad you could be back with us again this week. Now, I say that, you know, we're doing one long conversation, kind of cutting it apart, so it's almost deceiving when I say that, but I'm glad you could take the time to be able to have this long conversation with me, and I, I really appreciate that, and so many things that we can cover with this. Nothing better than talking about farmland yeah, and the agricultural space, that's yeah. for sure. So let's go to farmland. Let's talk about land values, and I know people are concerned you know, with being able to buy, rent, sell. What's, what are some trends that you're seeing right now as far as farmland values? Well, as I think about the past year, and we, here we are at the beginning of 2024, if you think about the 23 year, one of the things that we saw in 2022, we hit the all-time high mm -hmm. of farmland values here in the Eastern Corn Belt. So Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, Illinois. And I would argue across the entire Corn Belt. So you're at the all-time high coming out of 2022. We had much higher interest rates, mm -hmm. um, pretty high input costs going into the 23 crop, right. uh, combined with maybe some declining commodity prices as the 23 year went on. So all those things kind of made, I, I would argue that the there was more volatility in the real estate market mm -hmm. as 23 un, kind of came to fruition. And what I mean by that is a lot of our best land, the value stayed very steady at the all-time high. But it became easier for a buyer mm -hmm. to look at that below average farm due to soils, due to flood risk, due to field size and shape. Whatever, how you define below average, it became easier to say, yeah, it's seven, eight percent interest. I don't need that, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to bid that much for it. Right. Uh, and so we saw the the top cropland stay pretty steady, but the weaker, the below average farmland start to slip a little bit, mm -hmm. maybe a five or ten percent downward trend, and that, and that was due to that the higher interest rates and the higher input prices and and lower commodity prices. However. One of the things I learned is that when you take away unknowns mm -hmm. and they become knowns, people become more confident in decision-making. Right. And so we went through August and September of 23, and honestly, that was probably the weakest part of the year. Low commodity prices, it had been really dry, we didn't know where yields were going to end up, and interest rates, there was a lot of unknowns about were they at the top, were they going to continue right. to go up higher. As we got into November and December, and right here as we close to the end of the year and start 24, some unknowns have become knowns. Our crop yields were better than what a lot of people had anticipated. Right. We had interest rates, okay, now the Fed has said they've stopped going up and may in fact lower them into 24. Um, so a couple of unknowns became knowns and we saw in our sales results in November and December more confident bidding. And, and better sales results as we close the, the end of 2023. Uh, so, you know, where do we go in 24? Uh, that would be the natural question. <laughs> I think that volatility continues. Mm -hmm. um, input prices are lower so as we think about the 24 crop. Fertilizers come down, fuel mm -hmm. prices have come down. Um, so I think input costs will be a little less. Commodity prices are less too, though. Right. And we're looking at something, corn prices right now, something starting with a four, uh, soybean yeah. prices in that 12 uh, something range. And I'm not predicting where those go the rest of the year because I'm not a commodity trader. Right. Uh, 
but those are at that break-even type of level mm -hmm. to where you know I, I think there there's still going to be a pretty broad range. Mm -hmm. Premium farms are going to sell at premium prices, but right. those below average may still struggle as we look at 24. Now, one of the things that has not been a, a burden to the marketplace is supply. Uh, you go, you, I look at the farm papers every week. I kind of monitor the volume of transactions out there, and supply has not been overburdensome. Mm -hmm. So as long as the there's not a situation where you get a uh, you know hundreds of farms coming onto the marketplace, right. I, I think land values will hold very steady throughout the year as we think about 2024. Um, my only hesitation would be on those below average farms, and they're they're going to be more challenged. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break from a word from our sponsor. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that that term of the good, the average, the best farm, things like that. Because I've, I've got a question. I want to see what your perspective is on this. Not a trick question, but we'll get it right after this break. Are you receiving the correct cash rent? Is there improvements that could be made to increase your return from your farmland investment? Take advantage of the current strong ag economy and let us help you evaluate your farming operation and maximize your investments. At Halderman Real Estate and Farm Management, we bring over 90 years of experience and knowledge to the table. We listen and can understand your farming goals. We offer advice, recommendations, solutions, and create a plan on how we can help you meet your needs and goals. Take advantage of the current strong ag economy. Contact Chris or Lauren Peacock or Craig Springmeyer and let us help you evaluate your farming operation and maximize your investment. Experience, knowledge, and professionalism. Contact Halderman today at Halderman.com. All right, Scott Caldwell back once again, continuing the conversation with Howard Halderman. And before the break, talking land values, and you were talking about the, that really good farmland, the average, the below average. But really, one thing I think that people don't take into perspective, and, and maybe I'm seeing this wrong, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that we hear those values based on good farmland in Iowa or another county in Indiana, and then we come to our own land, and it's different of what that definition means. And so our perspective needs to have that big perspective, but also understand our local market. Is that right? That is right. Uh, to assume that some of that land in Northwest Iowa that sells for $25,000 an acre mm -hmm. somehow translates to Indiana, it would be an error. Right. Uh, we have had sales above 20000 an acre in Indiana. Mm -hmm. They tend to be development-influenced, Hamilton County specifically, right. <laughs> yeah. so somewhere around Indianapolis. But generally speaking, uh, today the Purdue I think says the best land in the state sells for thirteen thousand seven fifty on average. Mm -hmm. uh, I would argue the best land in a lot of counties probably trades in the fifteen plus or minus range today. Um, so that that's a pretty broad stroke right. you know, when you say those numbers. Mm -hmm. It really is all about the local market. Mm -hmm. Everyone's heard all their lives, the value of real estate is location, location, location. Right. <laughs> and so where the property is, is a major factor when you talk about value. Yeah. Quality, soil types are one thing, but it's location. So you can take the same soil yield rating mm -hmm. in Benton County, Indiana, north of Lafayette, and you could have the same soil yield rating in southeastern or southwestern Indiana, in a in the middle of what is predominantly forest, 
And you're going to talk two different total numbers right. in terms of farmland values because you have a lack of competition in those more timber areas. Right. So it, that's where location does factor into that. And it becomes absolutely critical that you talk to someone who's local in that marketplace about what the value of your farm is. Um, because I do have, believe it or not, I do have some landowners that will come to Halderman and say, well, we sold our farm and we just took the Purdue average number and that's what we priced it at. <laughs> I think Purdue does a tremendous job doing their, their land value survey. Right. It is a great indicator of trend mm -hmm. and where the market moved this past year. I wouldn't always say that that's a default appraisal for your property. Right. So that leads me to a term I've heard before, and I'm going to tie it into this. <clears throat> How much of this land value... And also when we talk about markets and things with that, how much of this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where somebody says, this is really good. And everybody goes, oh, it's really good. Or vice versa. And everybody follows what they say without necessarily doing their research, like taking the Purdue average, which, as you said, is good information, but not necessarily you doing your individual homework. You know, I, I, think, I think the local farmer... The, those local landowners are pretty intelligent, Scott. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, uh, when I've done sales all over Indiana, Ohio, Michigan in 35 years, we'll be in an auction and they know mm -hmm. the reputation of that farm. Right. They know how it's been farmed. Mm -hmm. They know the soils that exist there. They know the drainage on the farm. And so they have in their mind whether that's a good farm, average, or below average farm. Right. Um, that outside investor sometimes doesn't know. And certainly, you can look at aerial photos and you can get the soil types online. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of data you can collect about a property online, mm -hmm. but you're never going to know how it was farmed. You didn't. It's hard to know weed control unless you're there late summer. Right. You don't know drainage unless you're looking at it throughout a growing season. Mm -hmm. um, there, those are, that's the kind of public information that's not really available. Right. So you think about Zillow for homes in the residential space. Yep. The, what they tell you about Zillow is in a community, a subdivision that was all built out at about the same time with the same kind of builder, mm -hmm. the, Zillow can be pretty darn accurate. Right. Where it struggles are those communities that are older communities with variations of vintages of houses. Houses from the early 1900s and houses from the 1970s and houses from the 2000s. And that's where Zillow struggles, because it's same location, but totally different quality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more true with farmland. Same location, but you can have dramatically different reputations and mm -hmm. quality. Yeah. And in fact, in, in some of our uh, seminars, I, I point out two sales that we had in November of 2022, same day, and they brought 100% different in price. Right. If you looked at the soil productivity index, they were almost identical. Mm -hmm. Two different counties, but two different reputations. One farm was known as the best farm in that county. The other farm was below average and had that reputation. Mm -hmm. And that factored into the price difference. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to end for today. We're going to come back next week and get one last bit of conversation. We're going to bounce off that Zillow idea there. Uh, that gave me something to think about with that. And we're going to talk about land values with that. And the little things to wrap up, but we'll be back next week continuing our conversation with Howard Halderman. Have a great week.